And we are live. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post game show. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander. And you know, even though we're in the current situation, we are in the city of Toronto. I'll still always show love to Clean Cuts Barbershop because they've always been a supporter of this, the Wrap It Up podcast, part of the On Blast podcast network. Huge shouts to the people wherever you are watching this pod. As you know, the Raptors lose again, but they showed some fight in this game. They showed some heart in this game. And as always, we like to provide the safe space for you Raptors fans that you are able to come here and air out your grievances over this Toronto Raptors loss. Just want to say huge shouts to the people who are watching this podcast because you can watch it live after each and every Raptors game, whether you're streaming on Twitter, whether you're streaming on Instagram, whether you're streaming on YouTube or on Facebook. Hit the comment section. Let me know what you think of this Raptors loss, and we will talk about that for sure on this Wrap It Up podcast because that's what we do. This is your show, people. I'm just, I'm just the one with the camera. I'm just the one with the mic. But this is your show, Raptors fans, as we are here to discuss a very tough Raptors loss. And this one was made tough because they played so bad and it was a super ugly game. And yet at the end, they were still right there. That's what really made this one so difficult. But the Toronto Raptors fall. They lose their third straight game. And this has been a weird season for sure. A super weird season. But at the end of the day, the Raptors fall 126 to 124. And they've lost three in a row, as mentioned, 7-12 and 12 on the season. Again, my name is Sheldon Alexander. Huge shouts to the people watching the podcast live. And if you ever miss it live, it's okay. We got you covered as the podcast ends up on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on Spotify. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends to join the movement that is this. Wrap it up. Remember, wrap it up is a show. On Blast is the network, if you're looking for us anywhere. Because we're always here talking raps, and I wish that we could be talking raps on a better note. But hey, this is what we got, and it was a it was a it was a good finish for the raps. Like they came out hard, and you know, I'm, normally I'll go through the whole game, and then we get to the comments. But I feel like with the way the game ended, like that was just strange. I don't know what to make of the Kyle Lowry technical foul, and we don't know because they haven't shown it. But he must have said something. Right? I've never seen, I'll say this much, I've never seen a situation like that where it's a one possession game, there's like seconds left in the game, and a player gets teed up. And especially a player, you know, Lowry is a star player, he's a multiple time all-star. Like, whatever he said to that ref, I mean, I would hope, for the sake of the NBA, that it was well worth that technical foul. Cause I've never seen that. Like, I don't know what he could say, what he could have possibly said to get a tech in that situation with the game on the line. But you know, clearly the ref was tired of just hearing it from both teams. Cause I'll be honest, the refs were a gong show. If you follow this pod, you know, I'm not the one to come on here and talk about the refs or blame the refs for a loss. Like that's not my steez. That's not how I get down at all. But I'll say this much. The refs were a gong show in this game. Just 
terrible calls on both sides fouls non-fouls missing traveling calls like it was a weird weirdly reft game but i'll say this for you to call a technical foul at that point of the game that's going to eject a player with four seconds left in a one possession game i mean i don't know what kyle lowry said i'm, I'm assuming if if the we start seeing some post-game stuff come out. I'll try to relay that. But, man, I've never seen that before. But tough game for Kyle Lowry. Tough finish for Kyle Lowry. And I think the game even started rough for Kyle Lowry in the sense that early on, he was taking it to the basket, trying to get fouled, trying to, you know, clearly show that he was getting contact and get to the line, and it wasn't working. And that kind of set the tone for the whole game in the sense that the refs just weren't going to give him that call. But that also led to Kyle then talking a lot to the refs for the whole game. Either way, it just wasn't a good mix. Either way, it just wasn't a good way to end this game. Again, the Raptors fall 126 to 124. They were down big, double digits. I want to say it was 18 was the highest lead, if I'm not mistaken. But the Raptors came all the way back and... If not for Harrison Barnes, who started off hot hitting threes and then hit a big three late when, you know, things seem to be falling off for the Kings, the Raptors' comeback would have been complete. So there's two ways to look at this game. You know, terrible start for the Raps, but a great comeback that fell short. And I, I hate moral victories, but with the team that the Raptors have playing right now, with the team the Raptors have on the floor, it's kind of tough not to... You know, you have to draw on moral victories at this point. Like, you're just trying to get back to 500, and you want to see positive signs. And you did see a positive sign in the play of Pascal Siakam throughout the game. He didn't get back into it until late in the fourth, because Nurse was kind of letting it ride with the bench guys that were giving solid defense in terms of Bembry, Wantanabe, and uh, Stanley Johnson. But overall, a good game had by Pascal Siakam. But let's, let's do a little quick recap of just what went down in this game. And I'll make this quick because we know it was ugly, right? Siakam was very good to start. He finished with eight points in that first quarter. And Harrison Barnes was really like, it was Siakam good. Lowry was getting mad with the calls as mentioned. And the Kings really shot the lights out in that first quarter. They were seven of 12 to start the game from three. And when you get out to that kind of just confidence, especially for a majority, like most of that team, Harrison Barnes aside, it's a young team. So when they get out shooting the ball that well and shooting it that confidently, that just builds, right? And you could see it. They led after one, 36-24. As mentioned, Harrison Barnes with 13 points, 4-4 from three, three of, or sorry, 4-4 from the floor, three of three from behind the arc in that first quarter. And the positive signs for the Raps was really the fact that Pascal Siakam looked really good. And the key was, clearly you could tell the game plan here was to take it into the paint. And Pascal Siakam did that. Everything was going forward, going straight to the cup. He started the game four of seven from the floor, just one three-point attempt, meaning that he was aggressive. He was going to the basket. And that continued into that second quarter, where the three-point shooting continued for the the Kings, but the key here for the Kings and what led to them kind of, you know, getting out to a bigger lead here or maintaining their lead was their bench. So the Raptors came back with a counter punch, Fred Van Fleet leading a, a little mini run, getting some dimes, but in comes the bench of 
the Kings, and Hassan Whiteside. Raptors fans will remember Hassan Whiteside from his time with the Miami Heat in that playoff series where the Raptors and Heat went to seven games. Raptors end up winning that series on their way to the first ever conference finals in franchise history. But Hassan Whiteside, like 16 points in this game, six of seven from the floor, seven or nine rebounds total. Hassan Whiteside was just a pain in the Raptors side. And the thing was, Aaron Baines, they're trying to start Aaron Baines, but then you have Whiteside coming off the bench, but Baines is probably the better matchup for Whiteside as opposed to Boucher, so that was kind of tough for the Raptors to deal with, and they kind of struggled with Hassan Whiteside, and they struggled with the bench, to be honest, of the Sacramento Kings, because it was Whiteside, it was Corey Joseph, it was Halliburton, who's the rookie, who was looking really good, I mean, the Raptors, when you're talking about a game where you're missing Norman Powell, you're missing OG Ananobi, so depth is already going to be an issue for the Toronto Raptors, right? You remove two of your the main guys that you really count on, and that was exposed in this game because the difference in this game was the play of the bench, the scoring that the Kings were able to get from their bench as opposed to the Raptors still struggling to find consistency, consistent scoring from their bench, so that basically is where you start to see these two teams separate because it was all Siakam early. Siakam was doing a really good job, still going to the cup. Terrence Davis, who got the start, who might have been able to, you know, at least lessen the blow of missing Norman Powell because Terrence Davis coming into this game in his last four starts from last year was averaging pretty much 17-7. and seven. So he looked really good in the opportunities that he's gotten to start. But the Raptors, just with their rotation, first off, to start the year, their rotation struggled because they just couldn't find guys who were able to get the job done. And then lately, their rotation has struggled just because it keeps changing every day because you have a different starting lineup. This starting lineup today was their sixth different starting lineup in their last six games. That's tough to gain consistency, but re the reality is that's what every team in the league has been going through with battling this COVID issue and with battling injuries because of this short offseason and, you know, games all being packed in. Every team in the league is really dealing with the injury bug. And that's a thing that, you know, the Raptors have been kind of lucky early on, but now it's starting to catch up to them. And in this instance where you need all your guys because they're struggling and they're already kind of shorthanded in terms of guys that Nick Nurse trusts on a night-to-night -night basis, this is where the Kings bench really took advantage of the lack of depth from the Raptors because it was just Siakam, and he looked really good. And for the Raptors, that's kind of the Siakam they want to see. Everything going to the basket, everything just kind of you know downhill. He was aggressive. He was making sure that when he got the ball, there was no hesitation. Everything was towards the cup. You barely saw any of the mid-range, you know, long twos. He didn't really force many threes, which was kind of a thing you saw early on in the season. It was really good to see where Pascal Siakam's game was at. And I couldn't help but wonder, why is it that the Raptors' best players can't all play well at the same time, <laughs> right? 
It's like when Norm plays well, Siakam's not playing well. When Fred plays well, Kyle's struggling. When OG has a good game, Siakam's struggling. Like, they can't all just put it together at the same time for whatever reason. And, you know, they need that to happen if they are to be a team that most Raptors fans expected them to be in terms of being right in the mix of that middle of the road playoff team. It's just kind of tough right now, but as they keep going, you're going to notice that this is a problem in terms of just consistency and who can consistently put up buckets. And tonight it was Siakam. Siakam had himself a night, 32 points, 11 of 20 from the floor, 10 of 14 from the free throw line. And I think that's a big thing because the free throw attempt showed just how aggressive Pascal Siakam was. And I guarantee you that's what Nick Nurse is saying to him right now. That's what they need to see from him in terms of just being aggressive, staying aggressive. And the big thing, and they talked about it during the game as well, the difference between when you're driving to the basket and you're trying to play through contact. A lot of times Siakam would get caught where He's driving, he gets a contact, and then you hear him yell, and he doesn't finish as strong through the contact, and he just misses a layup. Now you're waiting on the ref to bail you out and give you a call, whether it's a foul or not, because, hey, let's be serious. Sometimes it couldn't be a foul. Sometimes they're not going to call it. But when you're playing through the contact, trying to actually score, and then you get fouled, that's just, you know, you're you're taking it out of the ref's hands because you're actually trying to score. And then the ref is more likely to give you the call. If they think you're trying to cheat them and you're trying to game them, they're not going to give you the call. They might fall for it once or twice, but overall, they're not going to give you the call. So that was a positive sign to see from Pascal Siakam. Again, 32 points, but the big thing I'm going to point out is the free throw attempts from Pascal. Getting to the line 14 times is massive. But again, that second quarter... The Raps were right there, but every time they were about to get it to about a two-possession game, they would have a sloppy turnover. Something would happen. And that's why the Kings were able to extend that lead and have it be a 10-point lead at the half. Pascal, at that point, game-high 17 at the half, but it was a Kings bench, Whiteside with 12. Like That's what really did it for the Kings and how they got out to that early lead. Third quarter... Nurse makes a switch. He goes with Stanley Johnson instead of Aaron Baines or Boucher to kind of go small, kind of go quick. Didn't work. The Kings come out early, knocked down two quick threes, extended it to a 16-point lead. I mean, De'Aaron Fox was coming down the court and just hitting, you know, what we as Raptors followers called the Kyle Lowry transition three, right? And you see De'Aaron Fox hit that. And with his speed and quickness, you're kind of looking at it and thinking, if he's able to do that consistently, that's scary. So that was a sign that at one point, you know, him added with Harrison Barnes, who at that point was seven of nine to start the game. He had 19 points. If not for Siakam, this game would have been just done early. And the, the key, I mentioned the free throws, but 14 of his 20 points of his first 20 points were in the paint. I didn't see what the final tally was in terms of his paint points were, but that is a positive sign. That's the Raptors. That's the, the, the Siakam that this Raptors team needs. So you enter the third quarter. Raptors are down 13. And again, it was the bench, right? After that third quarter, Corey Joseph let, leading the way for the Kings. He had eight points. I got to be honest with you guys as Raptors fans. 
I'll never have a negative thing to say about Corey Joseph. I I rep Corey Joseph. Seeing him go off and get some buckets and play really well, that puts a smile on my face, and it always will, no matter what. So shouts to Corey Joseph for that, for putting in work. That was really good to see tonight, even though, you know, it wasn't good for the Raptors. So the fourth quarter was weird because the Raptors were just hanging around, hanging around, and the Kings aren't a good defensive team, so the Raptors were able to keep it close. And we just talked about how the game ended in terms of the Raptors. It was right down to the wire in terms of, you know, free throw would have been a, a three-point lead with the Raptors having a shot, albeit a tough shot to tie the game, but they still had a chance, if not for Kyle Lowry getting the technical. But before that, there's some stuff we need to talk about because really the comeback really looked like the Raptors team that Raptors fans are used to cheering for. What I mean by that is doing it on the defensive end. That's how they got back in this game. Utah, Watanabe, he was in the game and he was all over the place on the defensive end. Bembry came in. He was all over the place at the defensive end. Also add in, of course, we all know what Stanley Johnson has been doing so far. But those three dudes with Kyle and Fred, we know the defense that those guys play. That really led the Raptors back because the Kings don't really play good defense. So the Raptors were able to turn their good defense into offense and get some points. Raptors at one tally late in the, into the fourth quarter, I think they had nine turnovers. They forced nine turnovers for the Kings, and that's really how they got back into the game. For the total game, the Raptors had a season-high 14 steals. 14, Freddie with four, but look at your bench guys, Bembry with two, Watanabe with two, Stanley Johnson with three, that's how they got back in the game, and we talk about it a lot, and I know, again, it's another loss, but what you got to do with these losses is try to pick out positive signs that you hope at some point you can translate that into wins, and when you see those guys coming off the bench and playing defense, that's why those guys are getting minutes, and that's why Matt Thomas is not. That's why Terrence Davis is not. Watanabe comes off the bench and he is just all hustle all the time, but his hustle leads to easy buckets. My guy had 12 points in this game, 12 and six in this game. Also give him two assists, two steals as mentioned. Like that is a great performance. When you're hustling on defense, right? He was two of three from three, but when you're hustling on defense, Kyle and Fred see that. They're going to give you the ball back on the other end because they see you working hard. They appreciate you working hard. And to have those guys come off the bench and give that type of effort with the Raptors on the brink of getting blown out, Nurse can use that in the film room to show Terrence Davis. Like the guys that you really need, that you really want to be having those minutes, they have to know now if you're going to play. You have to play defense. We got There was a Matt Thomas sighting, and it didn't last long because my guy was just getting Swiss cheese. He was Swiss cheese defense. Corey Joseph was blowing by him every time down the floor, and he got the quick hook. But defense, defense, defense. That's how the Raptors got back into the game. Kyle and Freddie obviously hitting big shots down the stretch. Wantanabe with a huge, tough lay-in. He cut the lead to one, and then it was such a close game until right at the very end, what really turned it was a play for the Kings where Whiteside has a wide open dunk. He blows it, but he was able to get the rebound and find Halliburton, who hit a big three to make it a four-point lead with 44 seconds left. 
off that white side miss, if the Raptors are able to get that rebound and it's a one-point game with 44 seconds left, you probably like the Raptors' chances a lot more than after Halliburton hits the three. But again, that was the difference, right? Who made the plays? As mentioned, it was the Kings bench coming up big for them and just going through the stats of the Kings bench, you got Whiteside with 16 and 9, Halliburton with 10 points, 11 assists, Corey Joseph with 16 points off the bench and 4 assists. Corey Joseph shot 6 of 9, Whiteside shot 6 of 7, and Halliburton struggled, especially from 3. He was 1 of 7 from 3, 4 of 10 overall, but he was the one moving the ball. 11 assists off the bench? Like, that's crazy. Game high, 11 assists for Tyrese Halliburton. That's the difference in the game. Raptors lose 126-124. I mean, it was good for the people that stuck around because it was close. But let's get to some comments here because I really want to hear what you guys are saying about this loss by the Toronto Raptors. We'll start out on Twitter. And uh, got a comment here that says, glad to see you're feeling better. Uh, inches. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, his other comment, he says here, I know people will tout Siakam's 30 points, but remember, Sacramento is 30th in defense and he had the worst plus minus. That's a very interesting point. And I, I get where you're coming from. Totally agree where, with where you're coming from. But you still need to see the positive signs from Pascal Siakam. And you hope that, okay, yeah, you took advantage of a weaker defensive team in terms of Sacramento, but the hope is that you can take that confidence that he clearly needs and take that going forward into the next game against who they play on Sunday, the Magic. So your point is totally correct. I just want to see if he can take this because you need he needed one of these 30-point games. He hadn't had one in a while, right? So point taken, great point for sure, but you still got to... Just take the the pluses that you can take, take the positives that you can, and hope that that translates into something else. Uh, more comments here. Uh, King Kirby. I think that's what that says. King Kirby says, get to 500 by the All-Star break. That's got to be the goal, right? There's, the teams are still very tight, very tightly uh, matched in the standing, so... Just get wins. Try to get to 500. That's got to be the goal. Don't even pay attention to the standings. Just try to get to 500. Uh, more comments. Let's face the facts. We miss Ibaka. For the first time, Masai made a mistake. I still trust him. I don't necessarily agree. The reason why I don't necessarily agree is because you are trying to hold off space for Giannis, which, hey, for... We don't know what Masai Ujiri knows, so there's obviously a reason why he was trying to hold out space for Giannis next year, right? So I'm not going to knock Masai for that. The other thing, though, is re-signing Serge and having Serge Ibaka on this team, does it make this Raptors team better? Yes. How much better, though, does it make this Raptors team? How many more wins does Serge Ibaka add to this Raptors team? And I say that because... Let's say, you know, you add a couple more wins. Let's say the Raptors are in sixth place. Does that improve their ceiling that much in terms of how far they can get? Because to me, when you look at the Eastern Conference and you're looking at the Bucks, you're looking at the Nets, you're looking at the Sixers, you're looking at Boston. That's four teams right there, right? We'd expect Miami to get things going at some point and get up there, but cool. There's still the Pacers, 
But either way, if you think with Serge Ibaka, the Raptors are on the same level as those teams, I'd be forced to disagree with you. Which means that chances are, even if you make the playoffs, your first round matchup is going to be against one of those four teams. That's a difficult first round matchup. But even if you think that with Serge, you win that first round matchup, then your second round matchup is still against one of those four teams, right? So now, against one of those four teams, do you really, how much do you like the Raptors' chances in that, in that series with this exact team you see right now, but with Serge Ibaka? So, if your max out is the second round of the playoffs, is that worth that gamble by Masai if you think there's a chance that you can get Giannis? Because that's really what this was all about. He thought that he had a chance to get Giannis. That's it. Now, if you say the, so I don't think the mistake so much is, you know, not re-signing Serge. I think the mistake was maybe thinking, was signing Baines and Alex Len and thinking that those guys could replace Serge. That might be the issue. That, I might be there with you. But just straight up, re-signing Serge to the two-year deal that he wanted, I'm not going to knock Masai for that because obviously he has more information than we do in terms of what he thought his chances were to get Giannis next year. More comments though, I'll head to Instagram. Uh, and don't worry, YouTube, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon to get some questions from YouTube as well. Uh, Instagram, I need to know what the heck that tech was about. I'm gonna check too. I wanna check on Twitter. Someone in the comments let me know if they see you know, someone talking about it on Twitter, one of our Raptors beat guys. Um, if anyone sees anything like that, let me know for sure and I'll relay that to the group. But as of now, I'm checking. I don't really see any of the post-game comments yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's just tough. I don't know how the ref makes that call there. I don't even know if we're going to be able to find out what Kyle said. So either way. Uh, Dio's mom says, uh, got to love the play of Utah and Pascal tonight. Focusing on the positives. Like that attitude, that's all you can do at this point. Just focus on the positives. Try to get to 500. That's got to be the goal. Glow Girl Smile says the ref had to call that game deciding call. That was ridiculous to call that and affect the game. For sure, I agree. The only thing I will say to that, though, is yes, the Raptors would have had one last chance to hit a three to maybe tie the game, but that's not why the Raptors lost. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a terrible play for sure, definitely, but that's not why the Raptors lost that game. And also, I think, you know, if you're the Raptors, you look at that and you think, what else could they have done beforehand to put themselves in a better position, right? Because I think there's definitely something else they could have done earlier on. They could have played better in the first half and not given up, not let the Kings get out to such a good lead. Right, I think that's kind of where they got themselves into trouble more so than that last second play where they ended up struggling and they ended up in a position where, you know, you look at it and you're down almost 18 to the Kings. Like that's not a position that you want to be in at all, right? It just isn't. And so if you're the Raptors and you think that, you know, that last second play, whatever Kyle said, and also, he's got to know that, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to really comment on it without knowing the context of what was said. But the assumption has to be that 
you know, the the ump is the ump. Wow. The ref isn't just throwing Kyle Lowry out for no reason at that point of the game. At least that's what the hope is. Do we know? Will we ever find out? I don't know. But that's the hope anyways that, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough. I, I wish in this instance, though, we were able to hear from the ref, right? To hear why the ref kicked Kyle Lowry out at that point. Like, I think that's something that everyone would benefit from, even the league, even the ref, because the perception of what happened there is not good for the ref either. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. More comments, though. Uh, I'll go to YouTube and the captain... Captain Sava, bro, which is a great, <laughs> that's just funny. But uh, imagine how the blowout on the Kings would have played with the same defensive energy in the fourth throughout the whole game. Like, come on, Kyle should have just kept quiet, but that ref is, <laughs> that ref is some cheeks. That's funny. Well played. Um, I mean, that's a tough one, right? Again, we need to know what happened. Uh, Natty Duck says we need OG. Yeah, missing OG and Anobi really hurts. In this game, especially against the Kings, you you look at how that game was played, and the thing too, without both OG and Norm, Kyle and Fred and Pascal are in a position where they got to pace themselves because they know that they got to play hard late, so they got to pace their way through the game, try to just keep it within striking distance so that once the end of the game occurs, you know, once it, it's in the winning time, they got some juice left in the tank, not only on defense, but on offense as well. And that's where missing OG or missing norm is so important. Because I keep reminding people, right? Even at full strength, for this Raptors team to be good and by really good or what people's expectations were in terms of being a middle of the pack team in the Eastern Conference, at full capacity with everybody in the lineup, everybody playing well. They need those guys to play well every night if you were to compete with the big dogs in the Eastern Conference. Everybody, Kyle, Fred, Pascal, OG, and Norm, all got to play well if you were to keep track or keep up with the big dogs. So without those guys in the lineup, it's nice to get these moments from Watanabe, but you're asking those guys a lot. You're asking a lot from those dudes. More comments. Jeremy says, uh, we needed a miracle. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it was. And, and when you get down by that big of a margin, what ends up happening is you exert so much energy trying to just get back into the game that at the end, you know, you need your legs for that final, you know, those big jump shots at the end. And do you actually have enough in the tank? That's where things get tough, right? Uh, Fly Miss says, Nick Nurse on the explanation he got from the official on Lowry Second Tech. She said, she said he said something that she couldn't let go by. She wouldn't tell him what it was. Thank you, Fly Miss. And that's, that's what I mean. This is a team effort here from the Wrap It Up podcast. I mean, you, you got to think about it. It had to be something really bad because there's no way that, I shouldn't say there's no way because the refs were really bad in this game. But I I have to lean with the assumption that there's no way that a ref is going to kick someone out of a game in a one-possession game with seconds left. I mean, that's the hope anyways. So I don't know what Kyle said, but it wasn't a good look for him at that point. Not a good look for him at all. Um, 
let's get to some more comments here. I'll go back to YouTube and find some more comments there before we wrap up. A lot of people saying we missed OG. Someone else, KL says, Whiteside is a really good player. I'm forced to disagree. He played well tonight. But I don't know, I mean, at this stage of his career, how much he really has in the tank on a consistent basis. Or let me let me put it this way. <laughs> I don't know how far your team is going to go if you're if you have high expectations of Hassan Whiteside. How about that? Is that a nice way of saying it? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Style says Yuda was our best player tonight. I mean, tough to argue. Let's, <laughs> he, he was great on defense. He gave them a huge spark, a huge spark on defense and making big plays, whether it was blocks, steals, getting in passing lanes. My guy was all over the place and he continues to shoot that three with confidence, which he has to because they're going to leave him open. He's not on the scouting report yet, right? So other teams are going to leave him open. So he needs to continue to hit that shot and take that shot uh, consistently. Unlike Aaron Baines, who I'm glad didn't take that many threes in this game after his one of seven performance. He was one of three tonight. But as I mentioned on last pod, hey, maybe after you go one of three, one of four, shut things down for the night from the three point, from the three point line. How about that, right? Um, more comments here. Shouts to the YouTube people. Oh, <laughs> I see a comment here from, uh, I think the name is Dante Williams. He says, any recommendations for fantasy basketball need some field goals, percentage and assists. <laughs> Here's what I would do. Actually, here's a strategy for fantasy basketball this season. The biggest thing that's affecting fantasy basketball is the lineup situations night in and night out. So I would save a couple roster spots and just hunt out night to night who is filling in for people who are out of the lineup. Because you're always going to be able to find those guys. I was able to ride with Kendrick Nunn for about a week and a half because of Jimmy Butler being out, Tyler Hero being out. Kendrick Nunn was in and he was doing well. Uh, Reggie Jackson, I just did the same thing with Reggie Jackson because Kawhi and Paul George were out for a few games. So that would be my best my best advice for that. I hope that, that that's all right. Uh, more comments. Nick Nurse is a great coach, but for not a contending team and not much of a rebuilding team. I mean, I'm not going to crush Nick Nurse for what's going on with this Raptors team this year. I mean, he, the lineup that he's forced to deal with, it's tough. I'm not going to knock Nick Nurse a lot for what's going on with this team. Um, he He's working hard, man. He's trying to come up with different lineups. And, and the thing we got to remember, what he's trying to do as well while they rebuild, he's trying to develop, guys. Right? He's trying to develop players. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock Nick Nurse. He has to deal with so many different lineups night in, night out. So he's got a lot to deal with. I'm not mad at Nick Nurse at all. Uh Lex Let's Talk Rap says, uh, what's up, man? I've had it up to here with the officials. See, in tonight's game, and I don't really talk officials much. People who watch the pod regularly know I will never blame the refs, but I will say the refs were bad in this game for both teams. And that's usually the reason why I don't talk about the refs a lot. Cause I feel like the refs are just bad for everybody. We just watch a lot of Raptors games. And so we think that they're only bad against us <laughs> or in our games. But if you watch more and more NBA games, you'll notice that the refs are just bad overall. Uh, 
another comment. Not used to seeing them play like this. This isn't the same Raptors team we're used to seeing the past six years. Our defense used to be our biggest asset and defining character. Now our D is trash. So I talked about this before on a couple other pods, but I'll say it again here. The reason why the defense isn't as good as we're used to seeing is because you don't have as many players in the rotation. So now you're asking Kyle and Fred and Pascal and OG and Norm to play high-level defense, the same championship-level defense, except you also need those guys to score, right? So imagine asking those guys to play the same defense they played a couple years ago, except you need to also make up for the scoring that Kawhi Leonard, that Serge Ibaka, that Marcus Gasol, that Danny Green provided for the team as well. That's kind of what the issue is with this team and what's going on. The guys at the bottom of the lineup that need to pick up the slack aren't there yet. But hey, tough game for the Toronto Raptors, but some things to build on. Hopefully Pascal can take this 32-point performance and take that into next game and really develop. Uh, hopefully Norm is back next game. Hopefully OG is back next game. But we'll see. The Raptors need them for sure as they fall to 7-12 and 12 on the season. And as they lose 126-124 to 124 to the Sacramento Kings. De'Aaron Fox with 24 points. Harrison Barnes with 26 leading the way for the Kings. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Wherever you are watching this pod, live streaming, we got up after the second time we got up and running here on the pod. So thanks for to everyone for sticking through. Whether you are watching on Twitter, whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, really appreciate you guys tuning in to this to Wrap It Up podcast, the only live and interactive Toronto Raptors post-game show. And, and the, the beauty of this, the way that we do it, you could pop us up on YouTube on your TV and just watch it as a post-game show on your TV, right? It's pretty fun what you can do with technology in the year 2021. But either way, I appreciate you guys for rocking with me, whether you do it live or you do it on the podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe. Again, tell your friends about it. Share it. Like it. You know, Continue the conversation in the comment section. That's really what this is about, building a community of Raptors fans that want to discuss the topics like who should be in the starting lineup, uh, what should the Raptors do with Kyle Lowry coming up, because there's going to be a very interesting conversation about that to be had before the trade deadline occurs. But we're building the community here, and I'm building back up after missing a bunch of games because I was sick, but we're back. We're back in action, and I couldn't be happier than to be back talking Raptors basketball. Hopefully soon enough, we can talk about some wins, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the hope anyways, right? That's what we want to do. We want to get back. We want to be talking about some wins here on the Wrap It Up podcast. But for now, still, guys, I really appreciate you guys rocking with me here, as you always do. And you can find me on Twitter, at Shell Alexander, on Instagram, at Sheldon Alexander. Again, hit me up. Let me know what you think, whether you agree or disagree. I'm here for the conversation. I work in sports. I've been working in sports and covering basketball since LeBron's rookie year. So, hey, I think I know what I'm talking about, but I don't think I know everything. And most importantly, I'm just here for the conversation with like-minded basketball fans because I love Toronto and the Raptors rep for Toronto. So if you feel the same way, then I'm here for you. And this podcast is also here for you. 
So like I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post-game show. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.